Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Before I jump into today's episode, I just want to say a couple of things about this conversation. If you listened to episode 198, you were introduced to Marlena Gross-Taylor, William Stubbs, and Dr. Don Parker as we talked about equity and racism and how to eradicate racism and address social inequalities in all of our communities across the U.S. And really, this is a global conversation, but especially for school leaders who are trying to decide, how do I frame these conversations in ways that lead to change that are accurate and factual and that help my community grow and develop in unity? Today's conversation moves from general reflections to nuts and bolts. And I just want to ask you right now, if you're listening to this whether you're driving or you're maybe doing chores or who knows where you are in the process of hearing this podcast, please stop and take some notes because you're going to hear some recommendations on resources, on ways to lead conversations, on Socratic methods and conversations that are really, really rich. And I'm just so thankful for the opportunity that I had to sit down with these leaders. So I just want to thank you for the hard work that you do in your leadership every single week, no matter where you are, who you are listening. If you enjoy the Principal Matters podcast episodes, the only way for the word to spread and for others to learn and grow through this content is for you to share it. And so one way to do that is to jump on iTunes and rate this program because when it's rated, it actually makes other people more aware that it exists. And two, is to send it out to your professional learning network. If you're growing through these episodes and podcasts, then share it out too. I I have purposely for the last five years done this show without sponsorship. I am frequently approached to to ask and ask to include sponsorships on the show. And maybe someday I will. But for now, my goal is to organically grow and connect leaders through rich content so that together we can change and improve the ways that we do schools. So today is a rich, rich episode. So please take time to listen, to share it out with others as we all grow together. Thanks for doing what matters. And I'll talk to you soon. Principal Matters Podcast, episode 199. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, Mr. Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking part two, responding to questions on equity and racism with my special guests, Marlena Bruce-Taylor, Don Parker, and William Stubbs. If you were able to listen to Principal Matters 198, you heard longer introductions, but I just want to give a short introduction to each of today's guests. Marlena Gross-Taylor is the founder and leader of Edu Gladiators, an organization that provides education, consulting, and publishing services across the U.S. She's currently the chief academic officer for Douglas County School District in Denver, Colorado, and has served as a K-12 educator and administrator at every level. William Stubbs is the Managing Middle School Director for Uplift Education in Dallas, Texas. He's a former Instructional Leadership Director, a former K-12 Principal, a former Dean of Students. He holds an MSA from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and he's the co-moderator for the Twitter chat BME's talk each Tuesday night for Black Male Educators. And Don Parker is from the Chicago area. He's 
and author of the recent book, Building Bridges, Engaging Students at Risk, The Power of Relationships with Solution Tree Press. And he's the principal of Posen Intermediate School in Posen, Illinois. Marlena and William and Don, what a privilege to have you guys back on Principal Matters for the second part of this conversation. I'm so privileged to have each of you in the room. And as we were talking last session together, we heard a couple of questions. First of all, just some of the basic general reflections that you've had as you see what's been happening across the U.S. with conversations on equity and racism and social inequalities. We also explored the questions, just what thoughts do you have for education leaders who might be serving various demographic groups? And so I want to begin today's conversation by asking you to think about school leaders who may be wrestling with how to engage in responding to social issues and inequities when I know that some school leaders, because I've seen the tension in some of their posts, wrestle with how not to be perceived as not remaining a neutral authority. And so I know that's maybe a strange way to ask that question, but I think it's a, a real question for some school leaders trying to figure out how do I have the right kind of voice. So I, I'm really curious, and William, I want to begin with you with this question. What advice would you give to school leaders who are trying to reconcile these interests within their own leadership? Yeah, I, be, I begin by saying that leadership is not for the faint at heart. Uh, this is not, especially school leadership, this is not something that you get in without being core values aligned and, and mission driven. And so when you see inequities in school systems and settings and classrooms, as school leaders, you've got to be able to call them out. And, and so I think gone are the days for uh, school leaders to just be silent. Gone are the days for us to look at data and for us to look at suspension rates and dropout rates and discipline rates and achievement rates and continue to do what we've been doing and expect to get a different outcome. Like gone are those days. So I would say the first thing is that uh, when having conversations with anyone, you, you number one, you got to make sure that you're cognizant of your awareness. Uh, when you think about privilege, when you think about implicit biases, when you think about power, I think like that's, it needs to start there. And I feel like if school leaders are really struggling with, you know, how to have these conversations and have them meaningfully, number one, make sure that you're able to show up and show up fully prepared to have these conversations. And that begins first with you being, being the learner. And so learning more about your awareness and using that, that knowledge to really navigate these conversations in the school setting. The other thing is that we've definitely got to make an alignment of our core values and our actions. And so, you know, we, we can't be individuals who have public and private beliefs and practices that aren't aligned. And so I, I honestly believe that a lot of this work around equity and shifting to a, a social justice lens should first be practiced in private settings. And so that's with with family, with friends, uh, with those that you are most comfortable with, where uh, when things are said or done that you don't agree with, uh, you're able to call them out in private settings. Do that first privately. And then when it comes time to do it publicly, it's not, it's not really a muscle that you haven't exercised. And so I think there should be consistency with who you are publicly and who you are privately. And then the last thing I would recommend is, is to, this is really getting you prepared. This is the, my response is more directed toward you developing self-awareness uh, as opposed to you speaking to others. The last part is develop a strong network of social justice change agents. 
And I think they will be able to uh, create safe spaces for you. They'll be able to give you resources and just strengthen your awareness. Now, of course, that takes time. It sounds highly adaptive, but I believe that that is something that has to start first uh, before you go out and, and proclaim to be a champion for social justice, but you haven't really prepared yourself to be self-reflective first. Thank you, William. And I appreciate that reflection because when I think about that tension that leaders feel, I, I love what you said about making sure that your personal and professional values match. Marlena, I'd love to know your thoughts on this too. So here's the thing. I think it's a great question, right? Because as, as well, most leaders try not to make waves because they want to continue to be in leadership. So I'm just going to call a spade a spade. Most leaders, they work really hard to get to that leadership position, whether it's principal, district office, whatever it might be. And, and they try to appease everyone, right? Here's the thing. When you compromise, you can only compromise so much before you lose who you are. And so in situations that are as clear cut as equity and dismantling systemic racism, it is very clear. There is no space to be neutral because truly there's only a right and wrong side to be on. And so being a leader, much like uh, William shared, you have to just take that stand and say that it's, you know, this is one of the reasons why I actually started Edge Gladiators because I felt like I was in an echo chamber in a chat one particular night, and it was not reflective of the reality of what I had just experienced in my day. At that time, I was a middle school principal to what work needed to be done, you know, that we were discussing on that particular topic. So you have to just be strong enough and brave enough to just say, this is where I stand with this. And, you know, damn the consequences, because if you're doing what's right for kids, if you if you model every decision based on what's best for kids, you will always end up on the right side of that. Now, how do you get that courage and that confidence to do it, especially if you're not a person of color where you have this internal drive to do so because you are experiencing those injustices or have people close to you being treated poorly? I feel like that's when you need to, like William said, you know, make sure that you educate yourself. But I'm going to go a little step further. Not only do you need to educate yourself in the literature and the research and surround yourself, but a lot of times that might mean having a true mentor or a coach. So I would say one of my biggest pet peeves about leadership, it would have certainly helped me. We throw this mentor phrase around and it's really not. It's like a coffee or, you know, a touch point, something to check a box. Every leader should have a coach. Every leader should have a coach to help them navigate not only the operational and, and all the other sides of running a school, but situations like this to help speak into them that confidence and that courage that that leader might not have. And then also give them some, some opportunities or some, some ways to, to do that, right? I've said this before, even the greatest athletes have trainers. Even the greatest athletes have trainers. You know, no one is beyond growth. And so I feel, I feel that all of our school-based leaders, I think every superintendent should have a true coach for them to help them, a leadership coach to help them navigate these things. I think it will be very, very helpful. And then it becomes easier for that, for that uh, leader to say, this is where I stand on it. And it's not just for new leaders. All leaders need it. All leaders mm -hmm. need it. 
Thank you, Marlene. And Don Parker, what thoughts would you like to add to that? Well, I agree 100% with what William and Marlena said. And being a leader is tough. And having these conversations is a huge challenge. And when people have to uh, undergo this process of how they can create positive change, you know, it's a challenging thing that, they, that you have to do. But I would first remind them that you know, without challenge, there's no change. If it doesn't challenge you, then it won't change you. And comfort and growth do not live in the same space. So, you know, this is something that, that's not going away. So as educational leaders, it's always a new program, a new curriculum, or a new policy or procedure that we have to, you know, implement in our schools or in our buildings or in our districts and things like that. But, you know, sometimes staff members can not 100% wholeheartedly buy into it because they figure, okay, this is something that's going away. You know, it's that whole thing that's called initiative fatigue. Well, what's new? But this whole thing on cultural competency and race relations has been around for a long time. And it's clear that it's not going away. So it's these real conversations that have to take place. And so uh, I think the best way to do it is to guide people down that path of inquiry. You know, it's kind of like they say, like if you put a frog in hot boiling water, he's going to hop out. However, if you put the frog in the water and you gradually increase that temperature, then he'll get more comfortable as he's in, in that environment. So I think it's the same thing with our, our staff and students. Those relationships have to be there. You have to be comfortable with these people in order to have the conversation. That trust has to be there. So first establishing that trust and then just guiding them down that path of inquiry. It can be through uh, surveys. It could be where they can go through a process of self-reflection. You know, having an open mind of, you know, this is the way things are. How can we do things different to make things better? But I, I really think it has to be where people come to realize it on their own. And I think that, you know, just personal reflection, personal uh, surveys to ask different questions about how they feel, where their heart is, and, and things of that nature to help people come to it, to realize on their own, hey, how can I have been playing a part in equity and what can I do to fix it? What can I do to change it? Do I have a heart to change it? Uh, do I have the courage to change it and speak up and uh, get to that point as an individual? One of the things that I'm thinking about as I've listened to each of your comments, um, really two things. One is the importance of the courage to be a real leader because as I, even as I posed that question, I, I tried to pose it with the tension that I'm, that I'm sensing from leaders, but I'm so glad that you just came out and directly said that Marlena, especially the way that you said it too, that there is no neutrality when it comes to doing what's right. But the second part that I've heard each of you say is that um, courage isn't enough. You also need to be accurate in the way that you lead these conversations. And so that means making sure that you're educating yourself and connecting with people who can educate you. And so that's one of the things I've appreciated about each of you is the ability to learn from you and to rethink the way that I'm thinking about my own leadership, my own implicit biases and the ways that I can make sure I'm connecting educators with people who can point them in the right direction. And so Marlena, thank you for the encouragement too, to make sure that as a leader, Principal Matters listeners, as you're hearing this, that you're connecting with other people who can help lead you down the right thought paths to the right books, to the right kinds of conversations. And so if you're listening to part one in this conversation, William and Marlena and Don each shared their contact information. And we'll share that again at the end of today's broadcast too. But, but thank you for those reflections, each of you. The next question that I wanted to explore was a question related to 
working with our students. And each of you have worked at, at several different levels. I'm talking to leaders who have served at the K elementary, middle, and high school levels, as well as district leadership positions. And I know each of you work uh, with school leaders as well. But as you're thinking about students in your communities over the next weeks and months, what, what suggestions would you have for leaders who are trying to figure out how do I respond to my students? Um, and that could be suggestions for conversations they could be having or even resources that you would point them to. And Marlena, I'll, I'll begin with you. Well, I mean, so after I talk about having a leadership coach, right? We also know the reality of we feel the pressure to respond, to say, to do something. I think the first thing you do, though, before you respond to your kids that you teach or, or your, your staff, again, is to think about your feelings, what you are feeling, why are you feeling that way, and fill in those gaps, whether it's through reaching out to someone that you trust or to your leadership coach if you're able to have one. If not, you should be asking for one to help you process what you're feeling. I've seen too many people rush to, like uh, William said, I think in the first session, to be a part of it, to say something. It took me a while before I did anything at all because I need to give myself the time to process because I knew that when I did decide to say something, I wanted it to be accurate and, and reflective of not only my journey, but the actions that I was personally going to take. And then, of course, with Edge of Gladiators, what we were going to do with that. So before you do anything else, just give yourself the space to acknowledge what you're feeling and process that. After that, the second thing that I would encourage uh, anyone listening to do is to reach out, find someone that can help you lead those conversations in your school or district so you do not do more harm. The third thing is actually really simple. And some might think, well, I need to start with this one first, but you really need to make sure you understand who you are and how you're feeling about these things. But the third piece of advice that I have is to simply reach out to your staff and to your students. Make sure you're reaching out to your, your Black staff and students, of course, but reach out to all of your staff and students in some way, whether it's writing a, a letter and you're sending that out, you know, to all of your community about the past events and your thoughts about that and your commitment or maybe recommitment to equity and dismantling racism to calling your staff. It, it, they're worth the time to say, how are you feeling? Are you okay? Just start there and then just be quiet and listen and just let them talk. And you can do that without having any expertise in the room yet. Just listen. Don, your thoughts on that too. Thank you, Marlena. Yeah, I agree with what Marlena said. So I think the question that I would ask would be why? And I would ask why, uh, and you'll hear why I would ask the question why. Okay, so first, when we have our conversation with students, all right, we start off with, go around the circle, we say just one word, just give me the one word, how you feel uh, when you relate the recent happenings. What was the one word that it makes you feel? All right, just write that one word down, okay? And then we go around the second time, we wanna ask why? Why do you feel that way, okay? And then we wanna tell them the why. The why that we're doing this exercise is because we wanna know how you're feeling and we wanna create a safe space for everyone and we wanna know how we can uh, create positive change about this so we can you know, find solutions and you know, live in this shared space to make things better. And so uh, asking that question why 
many people express themselves with using those I statements, those I feelings. Let's create an environment of respect so we're not disrespecting anyone, so we're not pointing fingers at anyone, so we're not making anyone feel more uncomfortable than what they are already feeling, all right? And so then we also have to give the person the right to, if you don't feel comfortable right now speaking on this, then you don't have to. You know, if you need to let your feelings, you know, fester a little bit more or uh, organize your thoughts a little bit better and just discover how you're feeling, then you can have that time and space to do that. But I always feel that we have to give the students the space to express themselves in a respectful way and in a way that won't do more damage, but it lead toward healing. Thank you, Don. I, I love those specific takeaways too on how to lead those kinds of conversations. Obviously, you have experience in those rounds. So thank you for those pointers. William Stubbs, uh, thoughts that you have on that? And I too agree with uh, what Dr. Parker and Marlena Rose-Taylor has have mentioned. Um, I would say again, you need to know when you're having these conversations, go ahead and name it. What are we talking about? We're talking about violence. We're talking about racism. I think that that's helpful. What I have done and have been successful in doing this when it comes to addressing issues with uh, with students, number one, we have had standing Socratic seminars within our schools, and they were normally quarterly. And so sometimes the Socratic seminars were planned out. And so we would know, say, second quarter, based upon our school's goals or some of our some of the plans in our school culture plan, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about scholarship second quarter because some people lose focus coming back from Christmas or going into Christmas. So we would plan out what Socratic seminars were going to be about. And staff would go through the Socratic seminar first. And so they got through all of the the productive struggle, misconceptions. Like we we were clearly uh, working through the process to understand the core of the activity. And then the students would engage in it at at a designated time. So scheduling these Socratic seminars out, and I'm really anxious to do it again this year in this hybrid role, we anticipated that there were times we were going to have to bring the community together to talk about critical issues, whether it was something a part of our school culture plan or just anticipating that something could actually happen locally or nationally that we needed to respond to. I've been in schools where um, I've been in a setting where a young lady was was murdered. And so giving kids the opportunity to process that and not come to school and it just be regular school and, and have to move without recognizing emotions uh, isn't fair. And it really doesn't meet their needs. So my recommendation would be explore what, what a Socratic seminar can do in uh, helping you work through some of these difficult conversations about racism and violence. In doing that, uh, and there's a lot of training out there on that, but in in creating these Socratic seminars where there are higher order questions that are posed and there are multiple mediums where you are um, presenting, whether it be a poem, lyrics, a political cartoon, a a script. The last one I did as a school leader was around Mike Brown, which is relevant to what we're going through today. And I was going through my files and saw the Socratic seminar we did, school-wide Socratic seminar on Mike Brown and Ferguson. But what you want to do is bring the facts to the table. There's nothing that's slanted news. Like it's it's the 100% facts of what happened. It's the timeline. It's the uh, police dispatch script. It's like actual documents that, that students can read. And you have the right questions where they can understand process 
and really work through their feelings. And so I've seen that really, really work well at the middle and high school level where you have these standing Socratic seminars where you can weave in and infuse topics uh, as they are relevant. And I think number one, when staff does it, they get the opportunity to be the first learners. And then when the students do it, then staff gets the opportunity to facilitate those conversations uh, and create this ongoing rich dialogue and opportunity to be inquiry based. So I, I will offer that as, a, as a, a recommendation. But yeah, when you talk about this, just be very, be very specific on what you're naming uh, and, and practice great caution with what protocols you're going to use. And there's so many out there that you can use to facilitate these conversations and then make sure that the kid combo is right with the teacher combo as well if you're going to use Socratic seminars. But if you'd like to know more about how that looks, I have a ton that I've used over the years uh, and I'm anxious to use them again. If this if we were in school now, we would be having a Socratic seminar and it would be around protest. And this is this is actually a funny story. So uh, one of the high schools I was over. We taught kids about civil disobedience and protest, uh, and that next week they staged a protest about the school lunch. And so I had to really come to grips with like, we trained them on how to do this and how am I now going to really get through this? But uh, that was a a moment in my career as a school that I will never forget when I equipped them to do something. And Socratic seminars have that potential as well, because it should end with some type of action and or next steps. So I offer that as a recommendation and you're just being skilled in the process and then very skilled on the content, put it together. And I think that that's something that uh, that can, can be one to embrace. Wow. Thank you, William. You know, one of the takeaways that I'm hearing for Principal Matters listeners in all of your comments is there are no quick fixes. You know, as leaders are looking for a way to respond, response doesn't just happen in a social media post or in a letter. Those can all be a part of your responses, but this is this is a complex issue with lots of complex responses. Um, all of them are based in strong relationships and making sure that you that you're building relationships of trust, um, so the and that you're building relationships that are built around facts and are led accurately. As we wrap up today's conversation, I also just wanted to ask each of you if you had any first of all any final thoughts that you'd like to share with listeners as they're thinking about their own responses as leaders. And then also, is there, is there a favorite resource, whether that's a, a book or a speech or, or a video, some, a resource that you would point leaders to right now is something that they might be looking at over the summer. And uh, Marlene, I'll start with you. Thanks. So final thoughts. You know, I really don't have final thoughts because this will continue to go on until we reach that level of equity and true inclusion that our country was built on. So I don't think my, my thoughts are final because we're not there yet. And I agree. I think maybe, uh, William, you shared this at the last, the last session is that the protests are just beginning, right? The fight has just gone into second gear, if you will. And I totally believe that as well. As far as, wow, I mean, it's tough. Final, my thoughts right now would be to do more than just like, retweet, and share a post about it. Your more will look different. That doesn't mean that everybody is inclined to get out and protest. There's lots of ways to plug in. Find out how you can plug in and be supportive of this cause because this is a human rights issue. It's really not a, um, a Black issue solely because, you know, Martin Luther King said it, said it best, and I'm paraphrasing, that when the rights of, of Blacks are diminished, 
then it affects the rights of all people, right? And so we need to make sure that we are taking an active role in this particular instance. And that, that would be my last thoughts. And my, uh, my, my sons and I, we're going to go out and protest. We absolutely are. We're going to wear our mask and be COVID safe. But we're going to do that. And I know everybody's thinking about how do we get back in school in the fall and all those things. And um, even in our last Edge Gladiators chat, we talked about civil disobedience and the history of so people can have the right information of how that started. You know what? It pales in comparison because we have to address this issue. Because once we find a, a vaccine for, for COVID, we can't have Black people being killed, whether it's police brutality or other means that's happened historically in our country. So get involved, take action. As far as my favorite resources, I know for this month of uh, June, and we will probably continue it into July as well, uh, it's really hard to talk about other things when we have this right here in our face and so pressing. We've adjusted our series uh, for our Edge of Gladiators chat and our Facebook group to share different resources, have a safe space for people to ask questions. I know for this Saturday, we're going to be talking about taking a knee. And that was decided before Roger Goodell made his statement. And, you know, it's all working. Like I said, it's all working together. So we're going to be looking at how do we eradicate racism? How do we usher in that new era? And that's something that Edge of Gladiators is one of the pillars that we're built on ushering in that new era. So that's one place. I do feel that uh, Robin D'Angelo's book, White Fragility, I feel like that is a must read for every educator, whether you're white or black. And she's very clear in sharing that if you're white, you're probably going to learn a lot of new things. And if you're black, it's probably going to affirm that what you're thinking, you're not crazy for thinking that. And, And I really feel that that should be required reading as a starting point, particularly for my friends that are in predominantly white districts who truly have no idea, right? And so I think that should be required reading. And and I would encourage uh, leaders and teachers, because teachers, you don't have to wait for your principal to do it. You can bring it up too, right? It's like the movie Ants. There's more of you than there are leaders. So you can start this movement too, right? But to start a book study, to reach out, to do that and start arming yourself with that information. Wow. Thank you, Marlena. Great recommendations. Dr. Parker, how would you like to wrap this up with your thoughts or your own recommendations? We all have to be a role model for what we want to see. So I would encourage people to be a role model and, you know, take those positive actions for what they want to see happen. So it's that um, saying, think uh, globally, act locally. You know, this is a huge thing that we're facing. You know, this is a, a, a big problem and we all have to do the little things that we can to make a big difference. So uh, there's a saying that says the smallest deed is greater than the grandest of intentions. So even if you smart, start doing something small, like having conversations in your community, you know, scheduling conversations around race in your local library or, you know, even at your church, having meetings, you know, volunteer meetings where people can come. And just have these kind of discussions, you know, lead those discussions, let people share their feelings, let them share their experiences and let them share what they would like to see happen moving forward going into the future. So it's kind of like that saying that, you know, how do you eat a big elephant, you know, one bite at a time. So if we're all taking our one bite at a time, you know, towards doing this work, then the work can get done sooner. So that's the kind of thought I have, you know, let's be responsible. Let's acknowledge how we feel, let's acknowledge how other people feel 
Let's acknowledge their experiences. And, you know, don't be afraid to speak up and speak out. Because at the beginning of this, I was also a little hesitant to say exactly how I was feeling because I was, I was thinking to myself, if I say this, I'm going to get attacked from this group of people. If I say that, then I'm going to get attacked from a different set of people because each people's experiences and perspectives are so different. But I like what Marlena said. She says, right is right. And so I believe that we have to stand up for what's right and we have to do it unapologetically and do it being unashamed of what we stand for and what's right and standing up for it. And so as far as resources here in Chicago, we have the, the PUSH organization. And as far as other people's resources is, you know, just, you know, do research on, you know, human rights, on, you know, the history, on, you know, different people's experiences, you know, uh, educate yourself on the literature that's out there. You know, it's, you know, what they say is information is at your fingertips now. And then I would also like to end with what Marlena said was a Dr. Martin Luther King quote. Uh, well, one of the quotes that is near and dear to my heart is an injustice to one of us is an injustice to all of us. So we all have to think that way going forward and, you know, to guide our actions when we see things that happening that shouldn't be happening and speak up on it. Thank you, Dr. Parker. And William Stubbs, I want to give you an opportunity to give your last thoughts and any resources that you would like to point Principal Matters listeners to. Yes, sure. Thanks. Um, I've enjoyed this probably as much as you have. I think it's important for us to talk about this, even as leaders of color. And while, you know, we've had the question in advance to really know where the, the direction of this podcast, it's just been helpful to really talk about it. I think that's one one way to give vent to emotions uh, in a productive manner. So I would say two, three things in closing thoughts as it relates to social justice uh, and addressing what's happening in your schools or in your classrooms. Number one, there are two lenses I would like to offer up. One is the learner lens and the other is the leader lens. And I don't believe that you shift to the leader lens until you've worked through the learner lens. And so that's allowing you to really self-assess so that when you get out front and you have these conversations, uh, they're not just snatching words that are buzz phrases. It just, it's just not for formalities. Like it is genuine and authentic. The other thing that I would recommend as a closing thought really is around knowing that education is social justice. And, and if you do it right, and if you look at uh, inequities within your school and you work to resolve them or counter them, that is the work of social justice. Uh, And so I know some are trying to figure out all that's going on. What do I do? Like, what's my role? And how can I take this back to my classroom? Master your craft, number one, and then make sure that you're working, uh, you're working to rectify systemic or change systemic uh, racism that's been embedded in, in our education system. And then the last one I would say, which I might get pushed back on, but that's fine. Uh, as you are building your professional learning network, it's nice to uh, connect with those who are talking against what's going on politically and socially. But as educators, if you're following and creating um, networks with individuals who are not doing the work, now I appreciate the research, I appreciate the theory, but what helps me most is when I'm able to connect with educators who are actually doing the work. And uh, I actually try to uh, stay away from educators who should be doing the work, but they're doing the talk. 
And so as I'm working through fixing, you know, myself, my biases, implicit biases, as I'm working to improve my awareness, I like having a sounding board within my network to encourage me and to encourage others. So I would say follow those who are doing the work in word and in deed. Again, I appreciate the research. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those who are pumping out the research because that is needed. But as you're following practitioners, make sure that they that they are actually doing the work. And in terms of research or, or references or resources that you might want to leverage, uh, I'm always shouting out New York City uh, Leadership Academy, where I've gotten some training on coaching uh, through equity. And then most recently was a part of the University of Washington Center for Educational Leadership. Both of those organizations have dispositions, have frameworks, have resources around equity that can help school leaders. And so this advice and encouragement is for school leaders who want to get the professional development, want to be connected to the resources, uh, want to be able to bring things in-house. I would recommend uh, recommend those. Thank you, William. And I do want to also just give a quick shout out to a document that you shared last week as well, William Stubbs, that was a shared Google Doc that several educators put together in, uh, with resources on understanding equity and racism, really at different levels. If you're just entering the conversation, look at these resources. If you're active in this conversation, look at these resources. If you're trying to teach this conversation, look at these resources. I don't remember the name of that, William, but I'm going to link to it in the show notes. I, I'm not sure if there was a title. I just know it was a shared document. Yeah, it was specific to anti-racism and anti-white supremacy, a spectrum. Well, William Stubbs and Don Parker and Marlena Gross-Taylor, this has just been a treasure of an opportunity for me to spend some time seeing you and speaking with you and listening to your thoughts. And I believe that this, as each of you have said, is the beginning, I hope, of a long conversation that we're going to be having with our schools, our students, our communities about systemic change that needs to happen across our nation and within our own communities. I want to thank each of you for your own leadership. I know you're also parents, and so I know that each of us share a lot of a lot in common in terms of how we guide our children through these conversations. But as we wrap up this week, I want to give an opportunity for listeners to stay connected with you. And so if you can just say really quickly uh, the best way for listeners to find you, stay connected with you, or follow up with you, Marlena. Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Taylor, or you can Follow Edge Gladiators and uh, DM. You can also follow us on any of the social media platforms under the same handles. Don't be afraid to reach out and ask questions so we can lock arms as we continue on this journey of, of truly eradicating racism. Finally, I would love to see that happen in my lifetime. The Saints won a Super Bowl in my lifetime. We've had a Black president. And if we can eradicate uh, racism, I mean, that, that's three for three. Don Parker, how can people stay connected with you? My Twitter handle is uh, Don Parker one and they can also stay connected to me through my email. My email address is Parker at comcast.net. And when I say it, I really mean it. I love doing professional development. I love letting people know when I will be doing uh, workshops and PD. I would like to invite them in and also their colleagues. And I'm just looking forward to just having these conversations and just looking to help and serve in any capacity that I can. Thank you, my friend. And William Stubbs, how can people stay connected with you? Uh, so I'm, I'm on Twitter. Uh, WM Stubbs is my handle. Uh, and then my email address is WMStubbs at gmail.com. Uh, and I'm also on LinkedIn. Principal Matters listeners, I want to give you a quick shout out as you are stepping into your summer months, as you are 
looking around your communities to see ways that you can be involved. Take an opportunity to reflect, to think, to connect. And as you've listened to each of these experts talk about the work that they do, please reach out to William or Don or Marlena if you have questions or if you need expert to step into your own communities to help you advise you on the road ahead. Thank you so much, William and Don and Marlena, for your time on today's show. And Principal Matters listeners, thanks for doing what matters. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Will. We appreciate you being an ally. Thanks, Will. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.